0: Welcome to AMDG, I'm Eric Clayton. Last summer, my wife and I traveled to Spain to walk the Camino de Santiago, an ancient pilgrimage across northern Spain ending in Santiago de Compostela, where, tradition holds, the remains of the Apostle St. James were discovered and remain. That was last summer. This summer, the idea of grocery shopping is about as adventurous a pilgrimage as I'm able to muster, and I bet I'm not alone. So it was with a bit of nostalgia that I stumbled upon Father Brendan McManus's latest book, The Way to Manresa, Discoveries Along the Ignatian Camino. I thought to myself, if only, if only I could return to my own time of pilgrimage, traveling to another country, wandering the Spanish countryside, seeking after God. Instead, we're all still here in our homes, our pilgrimages far more boxed in and local. But... As I read through Father McManus's book, and as he and I discussed his own learnings from his many pilgrimages, I realized that this moment is in fact a pilgrim moment, and there is much we can learn from that great pilgrim, St. Ignatius, to apply to our daily pandemic lives. Father Brendan McManus is a Jesuit priest who lives and works in Northern Ireland. He's the author of multiple books, including this one, The Way to Manresa. Well, Father Brendan, welcome back to AMDG. We're glad to have you with us. Thank you very much, Eric. Love you to be back again with you. And um, you have a new book out called The Way to Manresa, Discoveries Along the Ignatian Camino, which I really loved. And and the reason I wanted to talk to you was because um, this idea of pilgrimage, of of going places, is something that is uh, somewhat elusive to many of us right now during this global pandemic. So before we get into the book, the the last time you and I spoke, I think was right before uh, the pandemic really really took hold globally, and I think you we were the one of the last conversations I had uh, in my yeah. office. So tell me a little bit how how has COVID nineteen uh, impacted your spiritual life? How has it helped you to uh, continue to find God in in the messes uh, of mm-hmm. our lives? Sure,
1: I mean I think like everybody else, it's had a major impact. And it has completely thrown everything up in the air, you know, personally, work wise, organization wise, it's affected it it's affected every single thing. You know, going to the supermarket all of a sudden is a big big deal, you know, with masks and precautions and all that. So it's had a profound effect. And obviously, as a Jesuit and trying to reflect on that, I've I've tried to figure out my approach or the Ignatian approach that I actually have an article on the Jesuit website. It's called a spirituality for strange times. And it's like my initial take on the, on the COVID thing, which I wrote right at the beginning of it. But it's, it's pretty much about a couple of points really one about accepting the reality, which is a key pilgrim thing you have to accept what's happened and this is where we are and we have to face into this journey, which we didn't ask for. I don't think anybody would ask for this, just this international health crisis with all the kind of fears and risks and everything associated with it. So that was one point. The other point was about trying to find balance within that. So there's extremes here. One extreme is I'm so afraid that I sit at home in my room and I don't go out. That's completely safe, but it's not realistic. The other extreme is that I just go out and do whatever I want, don't take any precautions. But in between the two extremes is the Ignatian spot, like the sweet spot, which is trying to do things that are safe and uh, that are positive, that are good to do, and which I can, I'm actually contributing and I'm doing something. And it, it stops me getting locked up in myself and allows me to reach out to other people. Just simple things like, like, for example, me being in touch with my neighbor across the street, I can actually see them through the window and I can speak to them on the phone but that kind of reaching out in a safe way, it helps me and it helps them. And we're we're building a relationship. And I think that's one of been one of the big things about COVID. We've started to see things in a new way. We've started to appreciate friendships and relationships and helping others out. The sense of solidarity is really tangible. So those would be the those would be the main points and, and about real prayer. I think we've been uh, throwing back on ourselves and our resources and I often describe the COVID thing, it's like like a great Ignatian retreat. You know, we've had so much time and a lot of time on our own, especially. So how you use that time is critical. You know, how how we fill in our time, how we can keep ourselves positive, be creative, and be reminded that God is there with us in the mess. As you said, this is the famous phrase from another book, book I wrote with my friend Jim Dees. But God is with us in the middle of this, and we need to find where God is and follow God's leadings. And that's the pilgrimage that we're on at this moment. I think.
0: Yeah. No. I. I love what you said, and I like the idea that um, you know it gives us a uh, you know we to look at look at things with new eyes, and I think that's that's really at the heart of of spirituality in general, right? How are we, how are we kind of using the stuff around us to to see. Uh, to see where God is at work in, in new ways. And I think also, as, as you alluded to, that's at the heart of, of pilgrimage and the pilgrim life. Um, so I want to let's get into this, um, the, you know, this, this pilgrimage topic. Um, but before we do, you know, pe- people may be familiar with uh, the Camino de Santiago, right? That's that famous uh, uh, pilgrimage of St. James across northern Spain. Um, but less so with the Ignatian Camino. So before we talk about this, you know, very Ignatian pilgrimage, I'm wondering if you can uh, talk a little bit about um, just what it is, what does it represent? Um, you know, what do pilgrims on that particular journey hope to it, hope to find? Sure, yeah.
1: So just what you said, the, the Camino de Santiago is probably the big Camino at the moment, and everybody's aware of it, and there's hundreds of thousands of people up until the covid thing have been doing this i mean up to like half a million people a year so it's a huge thing so the ignatian camino is a is a slightly different thing in some ways it just borrows the word camino in order to locate itself within these great pilgrimages of the of the world but it's really running in the opposite direction so the camino de santiago runs from various cities to santiago And the Ignatian Camino runs in the opposite direction, like it runs east across Spain, It runs from Loyola, which is the birthplace of St. Ignatius, across to Manresa, which is near uh, Barcelona on the opposite coast. So it runs in the opposite direction. But the key thing about that Ignatian Camino is that it links together these key sites in the life of Ignatius, especially in the early life of St. Ignatius. So Loyola is his birthplace. But it's also a place that he went to recuperate when he got injured in the battle in Pamplona in uh 1521. So he had to go back home. And that's where he had this great conversion experience. So to to be there in the room where Ignatius had his experience is, is something else. I can I can feel the hers in the back of my head you know, sticking up, even thinking about that, because there's something really special about being in the room. Being connected to the actual place where ignatius had the experience and it connects us to our own experience so so there's a number of key ignatian sites there's a, a Ransazu, is this famous uh, marian shrine and it's up in the mountains a franciscan place actually but it has this uh has a statue of our lady and ignatius made a, a vow of celibacy there on his initial journey and then it links across to montserrat which is the benedictine monastery in the hills beautiful beautiful stunning place right up right up hundreds of meters up in the air and the, this beautiful monastery ignatius was there he hung his sword up on the on the gates there in an all-night vigil so again you're you're directly connected with the story and then finally manresa itself is the place where ignatius spent a year or two when he was going through this conversion process and it's often seen as the second part of the of the process the first part was the initial conversion in manresa or in in loyola where he was recuperating and he had these insights but manresa is where he refined the insights and a lot of those insights are built directly into the the spiritual exercises and that's and they're formulated as the rules for discernment which many ignatian people will be familiar with so walking the walking that trail connects you with the sites but more important with the experience of ignatius and you get it you get a feel for the way the exercises operate and how these things come to life. There's a, there's one particular place called Pedrola along the way, and it's the place, the famous place where Ignatius, uh, it talks about a moor in the story where a moor had insulted our lady and he was trying to figure out if he was gonna go after this moor and attack him because of what he had done. But there's a fork in the road there, an actual fork, and that's where Ignatius had to decide, which way will I go? And he let the mule decide, and it's like, it's it's not really a, a discernment as such, but it's where discernment was born, because he was he was thinking about how should I make this decision and what are my motives? And he, he was lucky that time that he happened on the right decision, which was not the violent route. But just to be there, remind you of this process, the human process Ignatius went through in order to come to these places of wisdom and discernment, like the real, the real riches of Ignatian wisdom. So that's that's what I would say. It connects you with the story, connects you with the man, with the experience, and
0: with the spiritual exercises. I um j- just to interject for listeners who might not know what the word Camino means, right? The cam- Camino is a, the the way of Ignatius, the the way of Saint James, Camino de Santiago. Um, you know, Camino is roughly way in Spanish, um, or maybe journey. I don't know if, if you want to expand on that at all. If my Spanish is is on the mark, um. I, I also love uh, this idea of, of, of sitting in in places you know there's there's something to be learned about the experience of, of someone's spiritual life by, by being in that place. Um, what are there any particular um, moments or, or insights from any of your pilgrimage experiences? I know you have a lot of experience in other pilgrimages, but just um, what would you say to listeners who maybe have not had a chance to or, or don't um, uh, kind of fully appreciate the the, the significance of, of sitting in a, a place where where people have sat before that have um, you know been been pivotal in, in faith journeys? That's right. Yeah, just to go back to what you said
1: about the, the Camino. It means way in Spanish and. It, just like in English, it's a lot more than just simply a route. It's it's got a kind of a poetic sense about. It's a it's a a process to follow, and it's a way of gaining wisdom by reliving this route or reliving this experience. So the Camino de Santiago does that really well, and the people on the Ignatian Camino have borrowed the same word in order to tap into that same sense of wisdom. That sense of history a sense of culture the sense of people haven't done this before just like you say so there is there is something special about walking in the footsteps of ignatius loyola that you don't get just by uh just by simply reading about it in his autobiography for example or or reading about the the roots or reading books about the route, or reading about it online that like there's something about walking in his footsteps and obviously as a jesuit i have I have the, the other experience, which is a pilgrimage as part of our formation, our training. So our initial training was after we did the spiritual exercises, which is 30 days of these meditations on the life of Christ. Then you do a 30-day walking pilgrimage in Spain. It was actually it was actually the root of the Camino Ignaciano, the Ignatian Camino, but it hadn't been formalized at that stage. So we're making our own way like across country without any signs are all the things that they have put into place at this stage but as a jesuit novice then setting out uh, in the footsteps of ignatius and i remember we were reading the autobiography so the autobiography tells you the story of ignatius and what happened at each stage so whenever you're reading those words in the place where the thing happened i'll tell you it, it has an electrifying effect so i was just saying about the the room of the conversion which is in the the castle of Loyola, where Ignatius was born and where he was recuperating. And that's where he had the first insight about the discernment of spirits. Remember, he was laid up in bed and he was reading these different books, like romantic novels and reading another book about the lives of the saints. And he noticed this difference in him when he was doing that. He was just reflecting on his daydreams and he noticed a qualitative difference. The difference was the romantic fantasies, initially excited him, but then left them flat and empty the other the other reflections on the lives of the saints filled them with joy and it stayed for a long time that's a human experience and going back into that room and imagining put yourself in ignatius shoes you get a real you get a real flavor for what that is you get a flavor of what that experience is and how you could use that yourself so then as a Jesuit novice, we were walking across Spain without any money, by the way. This is a this is a, a moneyless pilgrimage. So you have to ask for accommodation and food, et cetera. So you're doing exactly what Ignatius does. And that, again, it just ties you back into his experience. And it ties you back into the way that God operates with us and how you have to let go of things. There's a little story I'll tell you, just, which is my favorite story from that... Uh, the pilgrimage we did in Novicia, where I was with another Jesuit novice. There's just two of us going together, no money. And in the first couple of days we hadn't eaten properly, obviously hadn't slept properly. And I remember coming into a village and this, this woman chased us away basically. And we were trudging along going to the next village and we had nothing to eat except there was a, there was a bar of chocolate which had melted in the back of one of our backpacks. We were so hungry. We were just eating the chocolate off the wrapper it was like liquid and we were covered in chocolate on our faces and hands and everything and i remember looking at my friend and i was saying to him um i don't think i can do this you know i think this is way too hard for me and uh i was thinking i was thinking of giving up you know and i think i think nobody would have blamed me it's a a really difficult thing to do and it's quite terrifying in some ways because your basic your basic needs are at stake here but uh, my my friend, who was a, who is a great Jesuit and, and a great friend of mine, but he said to me these words, he said to me, he said, you think it's about you, about yourself and your abilities? He said, you haven't prayed with this. Those words really, really struck home with me and probably one of the greatest insights I got, you know, I remember that particular night we we got into a church hall and we had these emergency rations, this like red cross tin of stew and we're eating the rations. And I remember praying that night and I prayed like I never prayed before in my life, you know, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and something happened. Something happened there where I was able to shift from this place of fear and worry and anxiety shift into trusting and believing that God wanted me to do this. I remember saying that, you know, if you want me to do this, then, help me to get through this help me you know hang in there help me trust that we'll get food and accommodation and then things started to work out but getting over the fear that was the that was the huge challenge so praying with the fear i often say to people you know you pray with the real stuff you pray with the thing that's going on Mm -hmm. and you make it you make it real and that's when things start to to work
0: yeah no i I, i'm so glad you talked a little bit about this kind of part of your, of your Jesuit formation. Cause, um, I bet I would imagine, cause I, I didn't know myself. I bet a number of listeners don't, don't know that a part of Jesuit formation around the world, right. Um, the, the novitiate is the, is the, the kind of the first stage of formation, um, is this, is this pilgrimage and it, and it happens everywhere in the same kind of dynamic, right. Where, where you're sent, you have no money and you have 30 days or so to, um, to, to pilgrimage back to, to, to the, to where you started. So I wonder if you have any reflections. I, I love that story. And I, I, Any additional reflections on the kind of solidarity um you know it it, it breeds among Jesuits that you've all had this this shared experience and that you've all had this shared moment of grappling with um you know your 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 livelihood being at stake. Um what what does it do for for you again as as a as a you know fully formed Jesuit and a a Jesuit among other Jesuits? How does this pilgrimage continue to factor in? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: that's a really good question. I think first of all it's it's written into the constitutions which is the key jesuit document about what you're meant to do and unfortunately pilgrimage had fallen out of favor for a number of years but in terms of jesuit formation and how they did it but fortunately by the time i got there it was back in vogue you know so so not every jesuit has done it but the ones that have done it i think i think there is a difference i think they would say that people would often say this is one of the key experiences of my novitiate after the spiritual exercises. So they would talk about the spiritual exercises first. And my own take on that is that the, the pilgrimage, this ferocious experience of you know being on the road and depending on providence and putting your whole life on the line there, if you like, that it helps to integrate the spiritual exercises. So the spiritual exercises, this series of meditations you do over a month, and it's based on, again, these notes and insights that Ignatius wrote on his kind of conversion process which was another pilgrimage and he crisscrossed europe doing all these different walks and without any money and depending on god and he came up with all these insights and he put them in to a form which is the the spiritual exercises and my insight is you have to you have to walk as a pilgrim to really be able to interpret what the spiritual exercises are because they're written for pilgrims on the road and they they come to life once you once you face into situations like this so i mentioned about you come to a fork in the road and you have to make a decision well that that's a pilgrim metaphor you know but our lives our lives are just exactly like that and i would often say to people you know we are pilgrims in this life we're passing through and we have to try to hold things lightly for example possessions or things or or people or status or jobs or whatever because these things are transitory and some of the the most important things are you know who you are the fact that you've been created by god the fact that god is working with us and god is leading us somewhere when you're on the road those things suddenly spring to life because they're they're obvious you know sometimes we get i think we get cocooned and we get caught up in this idea that we're we, we can invent things invent our life in our heads and we can live in our imagination whatever but but life's not like that life is a, is a journey to be walked and it, it's a pilgrimage because there's so many fundamental things depend on you pick making good decisions, being tuned in to God, which is a sense of of love and compassion in our lives, and also facing into difficult moments you know I think a lot of people would say pilgrimage is a very much an up and down journey, you know, so you have all these mm-hmm. wonderful moments, you have all these really tough moments, like I was saying when you're hungry, you're thirsty, you reach your limits, and it's but it teaches you it teaches you about who you are and who god is and how you can work with god and how god is always trying to reach us god is always trying to communicate with us that becomes much more obvious
0: when you're on the road yeah
1: yeah
0: i um I, uh, you know, as I, as I reflect on the word pilgrimage, you know, I, I feel like it, it's, uh, you know, my wife and I did the Camino de Santiago last last year, and it was, um, you know, the pilgrimage, certainly, but it was very much scheduled, and we knew we were going to end up, and, you know, people helped us with our bags, and it was kind of a, we were very upper-class pilgrims, and, and I, and as, as you talk, and as I reflect on Ignatius, um, and certainly the, that moment in Jesuit formation, you know, pilgrimage really is, as you're, as you're saying it's risky. It's, it's, it's not unlike, you know, the, the gospel call right there. It, it isn't a promise of security. It's, it's, it's that, um, you know, go and kind of come what may, uh, you know, we'll, we'll meet whatever comes with God and, and not necessarily know, um, you know, what comes up and even historically, right. You know, the, 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 especially the community Santiago, you have, um, pilgrims, you know, being, being attacked on the, on the way, you know, there was no promise of reaching the destination. And so I think as you, as you think about it, uh, particularly through that Ignatian lens, you're like, oh yeah, this, you know, this, this is, this is serious. This isn't just a, a, a trip for, you know, tourism. This is, this is a, a serious journey. I, um, you know, speaking of the, the seriousness of it, right? I don't think it gives anything away in your book to say that you sustained a serious injury um, rather early on. I think day day two of your of your pilgrimage, and I'm and I'm wondering. I know you took a lot of meaning away from walking in solidarity with the injured Ignatius, right? Ignatius himself uh, sustained a leg injury. So, what were some of the key spiritual insights you gained? from finding that the saints journey within your own journey, you know, both on the Camino, but also as a Jesuit, as you continue to work your regular life um, with this, with this leg injury.
1: Yeah, that's, so. That, that's exactly true. So the, the irony is that you're know, having done the Camino de Santiago a number of times, and I, I have a book about that as well, but so here was me coming to the Ignatian Camino, having already done it as a novice, which I mentioned like 25 years before that, so I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. So the irony is, you know, I fall, I fall on the second day. I take a heavy fall and I have an injury and I, you know, I have to go to and get some medical help and, and it really throws off my plans and everything. And, you know, in in, in some ways, like and then I was a limping pilgrim, which is, as you say, ironically, because that's what Ignatius is. And it gave me it give me this new insight into Ignatius and the Ignatian trail because see when you're see when you're limping that's a different that's a different experience so you're not in control probably the one of the key things that I always say to people you know it's about it's about letting go control obviously i had to shelve the plan you know i couldn't i couldn't walk the distance i was planning to i couldn't get as far as i thought i was going to get i had to make adjustments i had to get medical help i had to slow down i had to take some time off and being a, being a jesuit obviously and having some of that ignatian reflect the ability to reflect on that i was thinking you know what i bet you god is working with me through this i had a, I had a hunch that something else is happening and sure enough the pilgrimage ended up being about more about the people i met so each chapter has a profile of someone that i came across either somebody i met directly like another pilgrim or uh ignatius himself i put in some profiles and biographies of other people but see the way the 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 emphasis shifts then to to someone else so that's that's a key ignatian thing it's not about it's not about yourself it's not about me and especially it's not about me being a, a great hero you know <laughs> I mean, right. i'd already learned this on the camino de santiago but that's something we have to keep learning you know it's not about it's not about success and it's not about everything goes really well and i think i think this is an important message for for everyone that God is with us regardless of you know how, how we perceive things or how we want things to go. And a lot of the challenges letting go of expectations that was one of the big things that I had because I'd had this really tremendous Camino de Santiago experience about uh, five or six years before that and the expectations were way up here and my actual experience was way down here in terms of getting injured and that so adjustment to the reality uh trusting that god is in this and then trying to find where god is leading in this new pilgrimage which is not of my asking and it's developing in a different way and it's playing out differently but that's where god is and that's where providence is leading and see the way that that one of the key things in the background is this ignatian concept of freedom which is the ability to let go and to let god dictate to let go of my own plans and to go with what god wants So that's, that's what was at stake here, you know, just adjustment, let go and try to follow what God wants here and let go of your own plans. But that's a huge challenge. That's much easier for me to say that, but that's, that's what Ignatius specializes in, if you like. And that's what Ignatian Camino is about essentially. So the irony is enormous. You know, here I was thinking I was the, the expert in Caminos and here I am been right up back at the beginning. Here I am learning new things, and here God is teaching me. This is what Ignatius says himself: like, like, just like a, a school, a schoolmaster teaches a child. So I'm I'm back in the first uh, the first grade, and I'm, I'm <laughs> to start off again. So it was ironic, but it was it was it was lovely. It, obviously, it didn't always feel lovely at the time, but certainly afterwards, certainly writing the book, I was able to see huge learnings and a huge insights into ignatius and the way that he would operate you know not being in control i would say probably is the key thing and being able to follow what god has invited me to do
0: it's um it, yeah I, I love how you in the book you kind of do that um you know the lessons learned on the pilgrimage itself and then the lessons learned as they play out kind of as you're back um in in your in a, you know regular life in ireland i i um um, uh, in Northern Ireland. Um, I, uh, one of the things that always strikes me though, is, is that the pilgrimage, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, it can be a metaphor, right? Um, you fall and you get back up again, you take a break and it's very obvious kind of how these, you know, these, these, you know, you do stop, the spiritual life is very obvious in the pilgrimage. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it becomes a little muddier, I think, as you apply it back to your regular life, you know, cause, cause, you just want to kind of get back into the routine. So how do you, do you have, you know, a couple of key spiritual practices that you can offer listeners for applying that kind of spirituality of, of pilgrimage um, and laying it onto the regular, just mundane nitty grittiness of our, of our daily lives? Sure. Sure. First thing is that uh, what you said there is, is
1: key that people often talk about pilgrimage and Camino and walking as, as a metaphor, but it is it is it is a direct uh, application to our lives. You know, our lives are a journey, and it's a one-way journey. This is one of the key things. Often, you know, modern life can distract you from the reality that we're passing through. This, like I think, COVID reminds us of our mortality. You know, the fragileness of things, and you, you get that on the road quite a bit. But that is true of life. That you know, we're we're passing through. You get you get one shot at things often and you're trying to do the best you can trying to make the best decisions you can so those pilgrimage insights really help to live life better i was saying about what happened me in the novitiate the guy said to me you haven't prayed with this that comes back to me almost every single day even if you just remember that one thing you know have you prayed with this whenever you hit a difficulty or an obstacle or a tough time or a tough decision just sit back a little moment and say well how would i pray with this what would i ask god for what would god be wanting for me from this just try to turn it around a little bit that just that little simple thing and then behind that then is this whole thing about reflection which is a key ignatian practice which is just a simple thing about stop the activity you stop doing things and sit back and try to filter or look at what's happened in your experience over the last day or week or month or whatever last year. So just taking some time out and to look back and to look back with God I think is one of the key things often often we can be quite negative about stuff or think you know everything went wrong or covid was a disaster for me for example. And, uh you know i just put on weight and i sat at home and did nothing <laughs> <laughs> i'm just talking about myself Don't
0: talk about me come on
2: man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh but that's not the whole truth and just simply by looking back you suddenly start to see things differently and this is the way god wants us to see things you see little moments of light you see moments of growth like i i i see that the way that COVID happened i was able to adapt i was able to speak to people online i was able to reach out to my neighbors. And a lot of good things happened i mean there was a lot of difficult things but god is there once you start to reflect so this the ignatian practice called examine Mm -hmm. it's basically just a review of the day taking like 10 or 15 minutes out to review your day and to find gratitude i would say is probably the key thing what am i what am i grateful for because ignatius says ingratitude is the greatest sin and that's the that's the kind of living on the surface and thinking it's all about me the perspective. So being able to change your perspective, being able to see things as they really are, because this is the this is the truth of us. We are created by God, we're sustained by God, and God is leading us somewhere. So to be able to tap into that is a is a powerful experience. It changes the way you see things and it changes the way you do things and how you decide and it changes your life ultimately. Like I, I always go back to my uh my vocation story. I used to work in computers and technology, etc. And I was living this fairly superficial lifestyle, which was about accumulation of money and wealth and cars and et cetera. And it wasn't until I stopped and was able to reflect and look back that I realized just like Ignatius did in the room of the conversion, this is not fulfilling. So that Ignatian insight allowed me to take a decision. Well, I'm going to look for something better, deeper finding the Jesuit vocation, feeling more fulfilled. That's Ignatian wisdom put into practice in my life. Right? So you know I'm, I'm picking it up from ignatius but i'm applying it to my life my life is a, mm-hmm. a an ongoing journey i have to walk that journey i have to be a pilgrim every day i try to you know I so i try to do these practices every day to, to be reflective to try to tune into what god wants ask myself where is god in this situation how would how would god ask me to respond how would jesus respond to this situation so it's just trying to implement things and make it make it real make it concrete make it make it make a difference ultimately
0: right no, that makes a lot of good sense uh, one question i had as i was as i was reading through your book and you're talking obviously a lot about discernment and and consolation and desolation right those ignatian terms for when we're kind of at peace inner, inner peace inner balance versus kind of under emotional duress or, or stress or anxiety um, and, and you 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 constantly remind the reader right that we're not supposed to make big decisions when we're under um, that emotional stress when we're feeling desolation. Um, and I'm I'm wondering you know uh, you know I think that's 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 easy when we're at kind of a, a normal life uh, you know routine and we're able to kind of wait it out and wait for desolation to to lift and then we feel at peace again and we make a decision. What happens to folks um, that 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 don't find that desolation lifting because of the the life? Um, moment they're in i'm thinking about you know people that might be unemployed that are constantly under stress to to find money to you know to feed their families or, or people that are you know forced to, to move i'm thinking refugees and migrants that are constantly forced um under such you know emotional traumatic stress you know to make decisions quickly how how does ignatian discernment and ignatian spirituality um apply and help people in those kinds of situations sure that's a, that's a really good question and obviously it's something that uh
1: I'll be very concerned about myself just trying to trying to help people to decide and to, to have a better life and to live closer to God and and make good decisions ultimately. So that's a key thing. I think one of the, one of the important things there is that the the definition of, of consolation and, and this is where this, uh, my book talks about the, the experience of Manresa, which I referred to earlier, which is this, it's a kind of a deeper understanding of, of what consolation is. So initially, ignatius felt that the consolation was about you know getting a sense of peace and rightness and things going well which which you referred to there and that is part of it but but also consolation is when i know i'm going in the right direction and sometimes the feelings mm-hmm. don't be that great sometimes i have to make hard decisions sometimes i'm going through really difficult times you know i'm thinking of myself in in spain for example and I haven't been injured on that pilgrimage and that was tough to make to make good decisions. And sometimes you have to you have to hang in there and sometimes you're not sure you're making the right thing. And there's no big payoff emotionally as such. So th- this is a key thing from Ignatian spirituality, a more sophisticated discernment, which looks at consolations just not just feeling good, it's it's about making the right decision despite the pressure and despite everything that's going on. But even even underlying that is is something else which is God is always with us even in these really difficult times and it's what I I talk in the book about the experience of the of the cross or the passion of Christ which is these unasked for sufferings or difficulties or things that arise and often we can feel abandoned by God it's and I mean Jesus himself refers to this on the cross I think it's one of the most powerful lines in all of scripture he says he says why have you forsaken me and it's it's that experiential sense of well god is abandoned this is such an awful situation we know we know from the story and from what happened subsequently the gospel that god was actually working really powerfully in that apparent absence apparently god was absent but god was working most powerfully so in our lives those moments where apparently god has abandoned us are often moments of exceptional transition and grace and great things can happen if if we can hang in there and remain faithful just as Jesus does. So this, this is not easy. Obviously, these are limit situations and situations really beyond us sometimes. And sometimes we, we try to do the best we can. Sometimes we try to, to hang in there. And sometimes we have to hand it all over to God and trust that God can make something out of it. But, but there's something really profound about that, about the fact that these difficult situations can be transformative. And I often describe to people it's it's like a, it's like a u-shaped curve mm. the, way, the way the process plays out things seem to get worse before they get better so we we often go into a u once you know that that's the case once you know that there's a bit of a u going on that things are going to go down before they get better that helps you to to hang in there and trust that things will get better that eventually you're going to come out of that and to to hang in there whenever things get really bad just knowing that having that insight that's the way god works with jesus that's the way god works in our lives and that's the way god works in these really difficult situations so that that gives me hope and hopefully that gives other people hope as a way of processing really difficult times and stress and anxiety and and ferocious pressure from outside you know so i would just offer that insight
0: yeah. No. I, I, thank you for that. Beautiful. I um, last last question. I um, you know, I as I said in my beginning here, part of the uh, inspiration for this uh, conversation was you know um, you know how nice would it be if we could all go on pilgrimage right now if we could all leave our homes and, and travel and, and kind of walk um, you know uh, distant lands, um, but we can't. So I wonder if you have any. Uh, reflections for listeners um, who who want to get the graces and the insights and the spiritual um, nourishment that a pilgrimage like this can give, but but obviously are, are kind of uh, homebound at the moment. How can how can we uh, in our just everyday you know COVID nineteen lives um, kind of do mini pilgrimages that are going to help us to to glimpse God and, and glimpse where God is inviting us to to be?
1: Yeah, again, that's that's really key. I often I often say to people, remember, almost almost half of the book takes place back at home when I get back to Belfast. You know, so I'm I'm trying to practice what I preach, you know, <laughs> and, and try to put these things into place. So you can you can be a pilgrim right in your own home. There are certain things there are certain things that help you to remind you that you're a pilgrim, and certainly walking helps. Like during COVID, I used to walk around the local park in the more first thing in the morning i found that i found that really helpful just to help me to be centered help me to set up for the day be in touch with nature be in touch with this is this is the way god often works with me through nature and that sense of presence that sense of the fact that i'm created by god you know so trying to remind myself of those fundamental truths but i would also always come back to these these ignatian practices the one about the reflection the stopping and the taking stock that can be that can be enormously helpful and also there's a sense of the examine or the reflection is looking back but also there's a sense of looking forward which is the another key Ignatian thing which is like discernment or trying to de- decide about the future realizing that God is with me in these decisions in these moments that I'm living right now and trying to figure out what's God saying You're trying to recognize the signs and trying to tune into where God is in my life and how God leads me normally and how God is how God is trying to write something in my own book. Like for for example, I uh I looked up Psalm 139 talks about all our days are written in God's book.
0: Mm.
1: So in a profound sense, you know, God is looking after us and God is leading us in a certain direction. And there are a lot of things we don't understand, and life is often difficult for a lot of people and mysterious and hard to fathom, but somehow God is leading us and somehow God is writing these pages in in this book for us. I think we have to believe that. We have to believe there is meaning and purpose in the world. And our job is to try to tune into that, even during this pandemic and this really intense crisis that we're living at the moment, that God is still with us. In a sense, we're going through this U-curve that I was speaking about. We have to hang in there. We have to be faithful, faithful to these practices of prayer and reflection and discernment because those are the things that are going to bring us out of this these are the things that will bring us into the light eventually and it will bring us into the the truth of who we are and meeting god face to face hopefully you know these are these are big things but they're done in small little steps little increments and, uh, and my book it does spell out the actual practices and i, I give examples about how i would do that myself how I try to put that into practice and how i try to keep on track so I'm, I go back again to that the examine the reflection on the day probably the simplest ignition technique but probably the most effective something you can do in 10 or 15 minutes finding gratitude staying focused and keeping keeping yourself walking in the light because that's where that's where God is and that's where God wants us to be and you'll know it when you, when you're there when you uh, when you experience it you feel it and you feel the opposite as well that's the amazing thing and that's the great riches that ignatius give to us a way of tuning into god where god is in our
0: lives and indicating a way forward beautiful well thank you father brandon i think was some good uh spiritual tools and practices for uh, for all of us to, to think about and pray through and, and work on uh, as we as we continue our our global journey through uh, through this time of, of pandemic. Thank you for, uh, for taking some time to talk to us uh, and to, and to share your reflections. Um, stay safe and uh, I hope we talk again soon. Yes thank you Eric lovely to talk to you again. God bless.
2: AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Daris Sump, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan-Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and as Saint Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.